When a parent neglects their child or blows hot and cold with them, it's so easy for the child to grow up and get into relationships with people who treat them in the same neglectful, confusing way. And maybe you unconsciously choose people like that, or maybe when you meet someone who is similar to your neglectful parent, a part of you shuts down the way you shut down when you were a kid. Then there was no other way to tolerate and survive the insult to your dignity and to the reality of you and the reality of your need for love and time and protection from your parent. And I suspect it's not so much, this is my opinion, it's not so much that we choose people who mistreat us. Some people say that. We choose people who are the same, we seek it out. I think it's more that when we encounter that type of mistreatment, it shuts down our ability to reason. We walk right in almost like zombies into situations like that with this huge blind spot to what's going on. And then we spend weeks or months or years discovering what's really going on and then trying to fit ourselves to it. Because in our minds, there's this existential threat. If you lose this person, you'll have lost everything. And I hear that a lot when people write me a letter, the mistaken idea that if you leave whatever bad relationship you're in, there's only on the other side of that isolation and depression, two alternatives, stay or just be miserable, practically cease to exist. That is the trauma talking. That's abandonment. Those are abandonment wounds. Now those are the thoughts of a child and the thoughts that if you let them will run your life and it will take it all the way into the ground when you're driven by that fear of abandonment and that you and believing that you have to hold on or you have to make things work. So I have a letter today from a woman I'll call Sophie and she writes, Hello fairy, I've been hurting and trying to heal after a really confusing, heartbreaking and maybe occasionally emotionally and even sexually abusive relationship with someone I felt I was meant to be with. I met him three years ago and I suppose things officially ended a year ago when I found out that he was dating someone when I thought he and I were reconnecting and building intimacy after not dating for a while. Okay, confusion. I have felt absolutely gutted most of the past year because of it, but I feel I'm very slowly remembering that I have worth and value in trying to make sense of what happened. I feel I'm ready to start entertaining the idea of seeing other people again, though very timidly. At the same time, I realize that I'm afraid I'm susceptible to getting hurt again because I'm so eager to feel close to someone again. It's time to get out the fairy pencil. Here we go. I'll be writing on things I want to comment on. I'll read it all the way through. Then I'll read it again, commenting on it. But first time through, I'm just going to mark things I want to come back to. So let's just, let's just see what, what Sophie's got here. I grew up with a dad who was emotionally and physically abusive to my mom. They got divorced when I was five. It's hard to say the words, but I do think he was emotionally abusive with us and for sure controlling and had a temper. He was also very much there for me at times over the years. Could be very fun and intense and supportive or acting supportive. But then also he tended to demand a lot from me or expose a lot about himself emotionally, unasked for, and then be emotionally unreliable. So boundaries, having them or recognizing them have felt somewhat non-existent for most of my life. Boundaries, circled, okay. 
I have started to talk again with someone I've known for about eight years. I will call him Steve. He and I had major chemistry when I met him working on a film set in 2013. We've kissed a few times in the past, but never had sex or dated. Over the years, we've had a kind of strange dynamic where he approached or texted me in a somewhat incorrigible, flirty, blunt, and sexual way. Sometimes it was fun and I took it in stride and other times it really alienated me so I would fluctuate between engaging with him and being annoyed with him and not taking him seriously. We have also had a friendly, easy chemistry that feels warm and exciting when we're together as well as great mental chemistry. I have had a crush on him pretty much since I met him and was repeatedly confused or disappointed when he didn't approach or respond to me with the same kind of energy that I felt between us. He is just a few years younger than me. He made it clear many years ago that he was not a boyfriend type. <laughs> so I accepted he wasn't available or interested and finally told him to stop contacting me if he was just going to flirt and not follow up because I wanted more than that. He stopped and that was helpful. Eventually I was able to let go of my pain from past expectations for the relationship and felt fine about him. He recently came back into my life a couple months ago. We had a lot of nice friendly text exchanges and a three hour conversation doing a Zoom podcast together which felt new and meaningful to me and was so much fun. He was also sweet and friendly afterwards and we were both clear we wanted to see each other in person. The chemistry and affection felt very mutual and we stayed in touch texting here and there. He started to slip back into this sexual flirtatious banter in the following weeks, but it felt like a natural and organic progression of attraction at first, especially as we have had this sexual tension over the years. I would engage a little to my comfort level and did my best to manage the sometimes tidal wave level of anxiety and triggers it brought up without letting him know about it. I've felt so lonely and unwanted after the past three years in the most recent sexual and dating relationship I had, so I just wanted to feel loved and sexy and desired after all that. So I had fun with the flirtatiousness with Steve overall, even though sometimes I wasn't in the mood and would try to work around it or deflect it playfully. For our first date, we had texted a few times about doing another podcast and making out and I felt excited about the plan. We started to plan for this date for this weekend and I learned that he seemed not to have prioritized or been invested as invested in doing the podcast as I had thought he was. He referenced getting together but it was just focused on the physical making out. So I asked if the podcast was still a plan and he said he'd love to do another podcast with me at some point but that we missed the window for this particular movie and that it was his fault not mine but the making out part of the date is implied still. I felt really rejected, used, and disappointed. Connecting with him via conversation and not just physically really helps me feel calm and safe in order for me to work up to being more physical. So I'm having trouble understanding whether he's trying to take advantage of me sexually. If it was just a normal misunderstanding via text that I'm having a trigger about or if this is just what it's like getting to know someone and I'm too eager to emotionally connect and therefore misread some things about our plans, misread them. I want to be valued and honest about how someone can and can't treat me. 
especially as I've allowed very flaky or unreliable behavior in the past. I'm also terrified and historically very uncomfortable telling anyone, especially men, that I'm upset with them or that they can or can't do something, especially when I'm not sure it's even a reasonable thing to be upset by. The other element to all of this is there's a part of me that longs to run into his arms and make out with him and not be so uptight. I feel my mental health is now being affected by my almost complete lack of physical contact over the past two and a half years. Plus my crush on him and having known him for so many years provides an emotional sense of safety that I need to feel physically excited with someone versus a stranger, which is not something I ever really enjoyed, so I don't plan to seek that out. I don't want to miss an opportunity to feel physical closeness, but I also want to feel respected and taken seriously as a potential partner without also coming across as demanding or controlling as I try to understand my boundaries and desires. I'm very unclear how to go about setting boundaries with, with Steve or anyone who I'm just getting to know in a more intimate way. In the past, this feeling has led me into sexual situations with men or boyfriends that have caused emotionally and even sometimes physical pain. And because of this, the instinct to just have a fun makeout with Steve, even if I accept that he isn't boyfriend material and have no expectations about a relationship is muddied as well. I do my best to communicate authentically when I can without being too intense or serious. But I'm still afraid of turning him off or getting something horribly wrong by trying to bring any of this up or set a boundary. I notice the temptation to keep him liking me or to try and decode his every move when I get nervous. I feel angry at myself and stupid for doing the same thing with men over and over and over again, worrying what they want and what they will think. And it sometimes robs hours of my day and keeps me up at night despite my best efforts when I have texts with him that trigger any of this. I feel we generally are kind to each other and have been mutually willing to apologize or share information when there are occasional misunderstandings on text. And I find that feels really good. I sense that perhaps beyond my fantasies, there's some potential for a relationship, maybe. But the fact that he was somewhat flippant and forgetful about our plans and the fact that he seems to be focusing a bit more on the physical, superficial, text banter makes me feel dejected and thrown. I'm feeling that old familiar feeling that I have no choice but to comply with what he wants or completely shut him out and it scares me. I'm struggling to find the gray area in all of this where I can enjoy my body and have fun connecting with someone who I generally want to kiss while also cultivating or inspiring a more authentic and honest connection based on more than just the physical without losing focus on my own life in the process. I don't feel the need to be taken on fancy official dates or have everything go a certain way, but I don't want to just hang out and have the men get lazy and treat me like we're teenagers. I have had enough of that in my life and I feel I deserve more, even if I don't know how to get it. All right, here comes the questions. How can I connect with him or anyone authentically when I'm afraid of being sexually or emotionally used to the point where seemingly common and enjoyable flirtation can quickly slip into panic and disgust? What can I do when I can't separate my triggers from what this man might be doing that is actually unhealthy or insensitive? Given any amount of sexual trauma in my past, I also 
don't want to terrify him, but I feel it's important to be honest about why I have some boundaries in real life. Even if I flirt over text quite salaciously, it's a natural desire for me to be upfront and honest about things like this, but I'm not sure what might be oversharing and what is necessary for him to know. I suppose from all of this, you can tell that I'm essentially just terrified of making a mistake and losing the opportunity for love or connection. I would love to minimize the triggers so I can enjoy my life and not feel like I have to either marry or be completely subservient to every man I'm attracted to or push them away unconsciously. If I'm not honest or open with someone I'm interested in about these potentially unattractive things, unattractive things, uh, or my issues, I'm afraid intimacy can't develop. How can I honor these feelings I have that sometimes keep me at a distance and going very slowly as I'm learning and healing without totally missing out on life and on affection or being too much too soon? Thank you so much, Sophie. Okay. I don't think I ever put so many pencil marks on something. It's a lot. Sophie, we're going to help you here. Here's what I'm hearing. I got the part in your story where there were no boundaries. And what I'm hearing is that not only do you have essentially no boundaries, you're struggling like, what are they? How do I find out what they are? But you seem to be of two or three minds about what it is you want. And I'm hearing this huge inner conflict here where you're trying to convince yourself that you're okay with him using you for flirty texts and fooling around. I mean, it seems like he's not even going to sleep with you, let alone be in a relationship with you. I'm just going to say, I, that, that was like a, that stood out to me that he's not just using for you for sex. He's using you for energy and for your romantic attention. He doesn't, I mean, in eight years, you feeling this way about him, if that's where it was going to go, it would have gone there by now, I think. So yeah. All right. So let's break this down. Okay. You had a terrible relationship that was abusive on every level for three years, I think. And it, or two years ago, you met him that went on for two years. It ended a year ago. You think when you found out he was dating someone else while you thought you were reconnecting and building intimacy. Okay. I just want to flag that you thought that you were reconnecting and building intimacy. He was actually seeing somebody else. So like so many people with CPTSD, you have a blind spot. All right. You very easily look at a guy that you like and go, oh, we're building intimacy. That's what we're about here. But if somebody is already dating somebody else and they're just kind of, I mean, I don't know, building intimacy. It, I think you're talking about sex. So what happened there is you, you ended up becoming second fiddle girl for side chick role. And you thought that it was something else. So I, I believe you that he deceived you, but I'm just saying there's a blind spot there. When you ha when you're recovered from your trauma, Sophie, you're going to have receptors. You're going to be able to read a guy and be able to ask questions and be clear about what you want. And in that, if what you wanted there was not to be in a polyamorous or deceptive relationship, that's not what you wanted. You didn't get what you wanted. Did he know what you wanted? Hard to tell. If the language you're using throughout this letter that I've marked up is similar to how you've come across to men, I'm not surprised you've ended up in very ambiguous, unboundaried, non-nourishing, non-respectful relationships for yourself. 
But what I also hear is you sabotaging your own self again and again in, in the way you talk yourself out of having any expectations. So, all right, so you were gutted by this guy. You're ready to start seeing people. And um, your dad was emotionally and physically abusive to your mom. They got divorced when you were five. That's pretty young, pretty vulnerable. And he was emotionally abusive with you, controlling, had a temper, uh, was there at times and then not there and just totally abandoned you and then had no boundaries and made you be his emotional caretaker. All very like, like no boundaries there. So now you've started to talk again with someone you've known about eight years. We call him Steve. You had major chemistry when you met him working. You've kissed a couple times, but never had sex or dated. Okay. So, mm-hmm. This is, this is where my theory begins about Steve and what he actually wants. So over the years, you've had a kind of strange dynamic where he approaches and texts in a somewhat incorrigible, flirty, blunt, and sexual way. So he likes those sexy texts. Sometimes it was fun and you took it in strides and other times it alienated you and you would fluctuate between engaging with him, being annoyed with him, not taking him seriously. So I'm confused whether you welcome this, whether you would like to have a flirty text only relationship with somebody or whether you feel a little bit dissed by that. Um, I don't think you ever can really say it straight up. Everything you ever say that's hurting you, you always second guess yourself afterwards. And it's a PTSD thing. So I'm gonna, let's just walk through it and I wanna just bring it to your attention, okay? Friendly, easy chemistry feels warm and exciting when we're together, as well as great mental chemistry. And you had a crush on him pretty much since you met him and was repeatedly confused or disappointed when he didn't approach or respond to me with the same kind of energy that I felt between us. Okay, so yeah. Um, so somebody who makes you feel confused and disappointed, that's actually not a good sign. That's not good chemistry where you're reading one thing and you feel confused and disappointed. But I hear you, you're like, is it just me? And it's possible, let's just allow that, that maybe you're spackling over, you know, with your magic vision, what's actually there, what he's actually giving you. Yeah, he's looking for somebody to text with and even making out doesn't happen all that easily. But it's always making out and not sex. You know, I always mention this book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, but he talks about a syndrome like this with guys who always want to have these provocative relationships with women and it never goes anywhere. It doesn't even go to sex. And I recommend that book to any man who is relating maybe to this guy. That there's actually a total avoidance of intimacy there and he's just feeding like a parasite on your romantic energy, your romantic anticipatory, thinking something's going somewhere, feeling all you know giddy and girlish. He loves that. He likes to get it all going in you and then he drinks it up like blood, okay? He made it clear many years ago that he was not the boyfriend type. Okay, everyone, when someone tells you that about themselves, believe them. He is not the boyfriend type and that means if he ever were the boyfriend type, he would not say that to the person that he's interested in. So what he's saying with that, that is code for, I do not want to be your boyfriend. And he's asking for consent to go ahead and fool around with you, your romantic energy, your body, everything anyway. And so if he told you I'm not the boyfriend type and, and you said, so I accepted he wasn't available or interested, you finally told him then to stop contacting me and it was just gonna be flirting and no follow-up because you wanted more than that. 
So he stopped, it was helpful, and eventually you let go of the pain from the past expectations for the relationship and felt fine. Okay, then you stopped having that boundary. He recently came back into my life a couple months ago. And I'm just, you know, this is something that, that a lot of people here in this community do. Right at the point where you make a self-destructive decision, which is to get back together with this guy in this, you know, half relationship, non-relationship way, that's your self-destructive decision. He didn't just come back into your life. And that's one tough, tough love thing I say. I'm always coming down on people for saying, I don't know, I attract narcissists. It doesn't matter who we attract. It doesn't matter who comes into our life. What matters is who we let into our hearts. It matters who we bond with, and that's our decision. And until we, we recognize and use and take responsibility for that agency we have over who's in our lives, we will not recognize that we are active, we're actually making choices and we can make other choices. This isn't just happening to us, okay? So he came back in. We had a lot of nice, friendly text exchanges and a three-hour conversation, Zoom podcast. That felt new and meaningful to me. This is a clue. I think when you do have a relationship, you like people that you can mentally engage with and you can work with. And it sounds like you guys talk about film. It sounds great. I totally get it. I think that would be a lovely sort of person for you to date. Only thing is they have to be available and be totally into you. That would be perfect. That would be a perfect guy for you. So he was also sweet and friendly afterwards and we were both clear we wanted to see each other in person. The chemistry and affection was mutual. We stayed in touch, texting here and there. So he started to slip back into the sexual flirtatious banter, which he had consent for because you were letting him in again. And he was doing that in the following weeks, but it felt like a natural and organic progression of attraction at first, especially as we have had this tension, this sexual tension over the years. I would engage a little to my comfort level and did my best to manage the sometimes tidal wave level of anxiety and triggers it brought up without letting him know about it. Well, so I know you want to know about behaving authentically, but here's where you just checked out. You were back into the, text, the sex texty thing that had totally messed you up before and made you feel bad. But it sounds like you're, you know, you projected that this time it'll be different. That's what we do. This time it'll be different. And so your romantic energy was coming again. It was, and, and this was giving you anxiety. And you want to know why you had anxiety? Because cognitive dissonance. You knew on some level that he hadn't really told you any, he hadn't made any promises. He hadn't said, this is different. I want to date you now. You know, I think I'm in love with you. That hadn't happened, but you were proceeding as if that was sure to come. But you knew, you know, we always do, right? I know about this worse than anybody. I've, I've been the worst offender, okay. I felt so lonely and unwanted after the past three years in the most recent sexual dating relationship I had. So I just wanted to feel loved and sexy and desired after all that. So yeah, I, I totally understand wanting to feel that way. But the part where your brain turned off was how you would feel like that briefly. And then you would feel, what was it? Disrespected, depressed. You know, there were, you had all these adjectives for how you actually felt after he treated you that way, which was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. So you wanted to feel one way. Your mind told you this time it'll be different. I will feel that way. So I had fun with the flirtatiousness with him overall, even though sometimes I wasn't in the mood and I tried to work around it and deflect it playfully. For our first date, we had texted a few times about doing another podcast and making out, and I felt excited about the plan. So I'm just going to say, I think it's highly unusual to make a date that is podcast and make out, okay? I sort of get the humor of it, 
But I feel like I've encountered this guy decade after decade in the world. Guys like this, all right? Why don't we have a podcast and make out? And it sounds innocent and fun, but again, it's you. Now, here's where we hear you contorting yourself and what you want and abandoning yourself utterly. So try to pretend that a podcast and making out would be fun. So you started to plan for this date for the weekend and then you learned it seemed he seemed not to have prioritized or been as invested in doing the podcast. Now that language you use there is so ultra controlled that I think you're deceiving yourself. I, I would say it sounds like he never meant to do a podcast. He just said what he needed to say to get you where he wanted you, which was at arm's length, not here, not even for, not even for casual sex, but just for messing with you. Okay. He referenced getting together, but it was just focused on the physical making out. So I asked if the podcast was still a plan. He said, yeah, he'd love to do another podcast at some point, but that we missed the window for this topic. And it was his fault, not mine, but the making out part of the date is implied still. So you felt rejected, used, and disappointed. Those are the words I wanted you to remember. Rejected, used, and disappointed. You wanted to feel sexy, desired, loved, sexy, and desired. Okay, loved. I'm circling. You wanted to feel loved. So I know what you really want. I know what your heart's desire is. We're going to come back to that. It is so important that you not forget what you actually want. Loved, sexy, desired. But what you got was you felt really rejected, used, and disappointed. Now, no matter how you want to spin it or how you want to blame yourself for feeling that way, that is how it feels to interact with this guy. That's how you end up feeling and that's real. So this is something we do this all the time with CPTSD. It's just me. Maybe if I would just change myself, maybe I'm being unrealistic. And that's po it probably, yes, we'll see if we can find any instances where you're doing that. But the reality is how you feel. How does that relationship make you feel? That's no fun, you know, rejected, used, and disappointed. Boy, if that happens again in your life, I hate to think you're going to get so discouraged. You're going to think you can never do it. You're going to think you're unlovable. So let's not let this happen to you again. This is a terrible misstep into a situation that is hurting you and draining you of what is good of that beautiful feminine, sexy, loving energy that you have. And it's just got like being wasted on somebody who's just like taking it like it's, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, like apples at Whole Foods or something. Connecting with him via conversation and not just physically really helps me feel calm and safe in order for me to work up to being more physical. So you say that like it's some sort of particularity of you. Like I'm this special kind of person who actually doesn't want to be just used. I want to have conversation <laughs> and a feeling of connection and I need to feel calm and safe for things to become physical. That's not a particularity. That's just, that's just how it is. I think there, there are a few people who just would want to rush right in and they don't care about any of that. And they're not on this channel. <laughs> you know, they're not here. We're here trying to figure out how to connect and love. That's what we're trying to do. So, then you say, I'm having trouble understanding whether he's trying to take advantage of me sexually. Okay, pause. Yes, yes, that is what he's doing. He's taking advantage. Um, but he has your consent. It's not like a total lie. He does tell you again and again where he's coming from in his crappy, shifty way, and you're having trouble hearing it. So I totally hear you. You can't understand. 
And I would just say, you know, like they do brain scans of people who had a high stress childhood, which you did under stressful situations, which is what dating is and seeing who's it, does somebody like you? And for a person with PTSD, your brain literally goes dark in the reasoning center and it lights up in emotions. And emotions is where all that desire is too. So, you know, it's just like your thinking gets shut off and you're marching right into the same old crap that you were in as a kid, that you were in in your last relationship, but you're torturing yourself trying to see if this situation can be redeemed. If there's some way of looking at it that means it's actually good and there's something you can change and you get to have the man. And I so get that. I just get that to my bones. I hear you. I totally respect your heart's desire is you need to meet your man. That's what you're looking for. So bloodsuckers like this who come along and just like take your energy and mess with your mind, set you back on your quest for real love. They set you way back. They confuse you. They make you sad. They make you uh, doubt yourself and they make you have, you know, squirrely personality traits that pop up. And when some really great guy comes along and is interested in you and you're like, well, I don't know, I just feel, you know, everybody's hurt me so much. You're going to start like you feared, you're going to start pushing people away. So where I'm going to go with this, I say this to everybody and you know, it, <laughs> it's not always what people want to hear, but if you really, really want to be with somebody good, it's time to not give any energy at all to these people who are not in love with you, not interested in the real thing with you. So let's go on here. Okay. You're wondering, is he taking advantage of you or is it just a normal misunderstanding via text that I'm having a trigger about? No, <laughs> he said, make a podcast. That was what made it kind of like a date for you, that there was some other aspect that wasn't just him taking from you. It was creating something together. That's your, you know, I understand that. I, I'm really into that too. Uh, creating things together is like totally romantic to me. I get it. Okay. Um, so you're also wondering if it's just what it's like to get to know someone and you're too eager to emotionally connect. Yes, I think you're too eager, but that's okay. We understand. And therefore you're misreading some things about the plans. You're not misreading. He said podcast and then he yanked it away and it was like, no, just make out. You're not imagining this. You're not imagining this. It was bait and switch and it was crappy. You remember that cartoon on the Bugs Bunny days of Pepe Le Pew? He'll just do anything and say anything, but he's a freaking predator gross. So I want to be valued and honest about how someone can and can't treat me. All right. So here's, okay. I want to read the other line too, especially as I've allowed very flaky or unreliable behavior in the past. And you're doing it now with this guy, he's flaky and unreliable, but you're also terrified and historically very uncomfortable telling anyone, especially men that I'm upset with them or that they can and can't do something. Okay. We know where you got that. That is uh, so understandable with the, you know, you said you made this quick reference to your childhood, but it sounded like every, all the pieces were there to set you up to have this confusion right now. So when you get really anxious and go into self doubt, when you have to set a boundary with men and a boundary is telling them that they can or can't do something and how they can and can't treat you. So here's where people with CPTSD sometimes like fall off the path is they go, I have a boundary. I require that you treat me in a, you know, courtship like manner with respect, getting to know me, not just like rushing for the sexual situation. I require that, 
but then you go ahead and you go along with whatever it is that they give you. So it's not a boundary. That's the thing. When you say what you want, but you don't actually walk away from it when that's not what it is, you're, what you're saying is a preference. I have a preference, but I'm okay with this. I don't like this guy, but it's not fair to, he's not really doing anything wrong because he's getting consent from you. You're not saying no, you're not saying this is not okay. And you take it even further. There, okay, there's a part of you that longs to run into his arms and make out with him and not be so uptight. Yes, wouldn't that be nice if you could shut down your whole emotional self and all your needs and all your humanity and, and just, just have sex like, like a robot or certain people, right? But that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're a real woman with feelings. You're a real woman who associates closeness, intimacy. That doesn't just mean physical intimacy. Intimacy, that's like letting someone into your life and your heart. It is normal and fine and actually, I think, good to need that and to require it. So yeah, of course, sometimes loneliness and the physical, like just like no touch for two and a half years, that's horrible, this whole pandemic, oh my gosh, what people have had to go through. Yeah, it's easy enough to just run into somebody's arms. But then comes that feeling of rejected, used, and disappointed. So if you're on a path to healing and not just kind of like getting a temporary fix, the path to healing means you have to forego running into the arms just for the quick fix. And instead get 100% clear on what it is you want. So you say, I don't want to miss an opportunity to feel physical closeness, but I also want to feel respected and taken seriously as a potential partner um, without also coming across as demanding or controlling as I try to understand my boundaries and desires. Okay, let's help you set some boundaries, okay? You said one before, I want to feel respected and taken seriously as a potential partner. All right, there it is. That's what you want. And let's help you put some boundaries about that. So if I find out that someone doesn't respect me or consider me a potential partner or take me seriously, I will end the date right there and stop having contact with them. And the reason I say stop having contact with them is because this has happened to you in your last relationship and this one. It goes totally south. You're miserable and hurt and you go back in thinking this time it can be different, but it just keeps being like the same old, right? So you stop having contact. When somebody proves to you that they're insincere, they were just using you, you have your answer. You have your answer. And if you want, if you really have a boundary to be respected, loved, treated as a potential partner, then that's the only kind of person you date. You don't date other people. And the purpose of dating is not to go get your fix emotionally or sexually. The purpose of dating is to find out if they are that person who loves, respects you, takes you seriously, sees you as a potential partner. So the other thing that I noticed, your vision falls short, that you're ready to be with somebody who sees you as a potential partner, but you actually canceled out the possibility of marriage in something you said. So you had said here this, that you wanna feel respected and taken seriously without also coming across as demanding or controlling. So here's what I wanna teach you. When you're with a guy who's not into you and doesn't want a relationship and isn't any of those criteria that you have, doesn't love you, doesn't respect you, doesn't take you seriously, doesn't see you as a potential partner. When you are with one of those guys and on some level you know it and you try to like get it out of them, like what's that blood from a turnip? That comes across as demanding or controlling. When you 
sit back and wait to be met halfway by somebody who is into you and wants those things, then you stating you have those requirements is totally exciting and heartwarming and fulfilling for that man. He's like, oh good, because I really like this woman. I'm so glad that she requires that, that she respects herself enough that she would only get intimately involved with me if I love her. That is what men who love you want to hear. That is what they like. So don't worry, don't worry. This idea you have that it's gonna be seen as demanding and controlling is left over from all those crap relationships you had with people who weren't into you, okay? So just let that go. You're not that person anymore. If you take my dating course, the first thing that I make everybody do is you have to write down like, what do you really want? The first step to actually honoring what you want is to name it, like name what you want. Stop being so vague. When you are vague about it, what happens is you, you just like switch it and conform it to whatever it is somebody else is giving. So you're like, I, I wanna be loved and treated, you know, like a special woman. And somebody comes along and it's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll do sexy texts with you and come over and make out with you and then leave. And you go, there, I'll change myself so that works for me. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm just describing like, this is what it's like to have PTSD. It's what it's like. I've done it, many people have done it, but I'm here, like we say it out loud so we can just go, oh yeah, that makes no sense. You won't get what you want. And there's a way that these like lousy relationships take something away from you. It gets harder and harder to have a good relationship. So then you say, I do my best to communicate authentically when I can without being too intense and serious. So that's oxymoron, that's an oxymoron. I do my best to be authentically without being intense or, or serious. <laughs> when things are intense, and what could be more intense and serious than getting sexually involved with somebody? It is intense, it is serious. And so communicating authentically actually means being who you are in that situation. You know what's so scary is that if you say it, if you just, this is how you break the spell of all this stuff. You say what it is you really want. And a guy like Steve, he'll just go scurrying away under the refrigerator. You know, it's like, he doesn't want that and you know it and you're just, you know, it's, eh, it's so sad, you know, because there's that idea like it could be so great if everything were just like a little bit different, but it won't shift to that difference. It just won't. And it's really not like likely to do that now. So um, you've had, you guys have had a lot of practice with this dynamic. So you see what happens. So I'm still afraid of turning him off or getting something horribly wrong by trying to bring any of this up or set a boundary. So when you're afraid to bring up boundaries or what you really want in a relationship, you know you're not in a good relationship. I notice the temptation to keep him liking me or try and decode his every move when I get nervous. And yeah, so that goes into a little bit of limerence where you're not getting anything back, but your mind has kind of built up this great romance that could be and you're really into you're kind of having a relationship with that idea but not the person and what that requires of you is that you always kind of look in and find signs like little signs maybe this is what he really means. De yeah decode you said that's a good word for it i feel angry at myself and stupid for doing the same thing with men over and over again worrying what they want and what they will think and it sometimes robs hours out of my day uh-huh yeah this is a life drainer for sure we're kind willing to apologize and share information. So that's what friends do. It sounds like there's like some friendship there, but friendships are untenable when there's this huge attraction and romance thing that's unrequited. It's, it's not really a friendship. It's not nourishing. It's just a big kind of pain factory. It's just like having a big rock in your shoe. 
Um, and it's sad but true because it's hard to find a friend that feels so familiar like that. But when somebody feels so familiar and like they're so compatible and they hurt you again and again, it, it's time to ask yourself, does this feel familiar to me because it's just like my dad? You could do so much better. You could have such a different kind of happiness and a home feeling with someone who's really excited to be with you. And somebody who's excited to be with you, you'd be surprised how relaxing it is. You don't have to be anxious all the time. You just get to like hang out. Uh, you know, let's be real, like all relationships when they're starting out, there's tension, excitement, worries, you know, and sometimes bumps in the road. But you have that confidence when somebody's like, you know, interested in you. I sense that perhaps beyond my fantasies, there's some potential for a relationship. You put maybe question mark and I would just say, no, I see no potential here. I don't think this guy's a good for, good for you and he's not interested even if you wanted him. But the fact that he was somewhat flippant and forgetful about our plans seems to be focusing a bit more on the physical superficial text banter. Yeah, that's kind of like an archetype at this point. There's a certain kind of person who does that. Not available at all, not available at all. And flippant and forgetful about your plans. Flippant and forgetful. I don't think he forgot and I don't think he was flippant. I think he says whatever he has to say to get you to say yes to the part that he wants from you. So I don't think he ever meant it. I'm feeling that old familiar feeling that I have no choice but to comply with what he wants or completely shut him out. And it scares me. I hear you. I know this fear so well. So, but I just, I just want to do a thought experiment. So you wrote, you either have to comply with what you want, Sophie, or shut yourself down. Don't shut yourself down. Don't do that. You're wonderful. Don't shut yourself down. No relationship is worth it. Okay. But what you wrote is accurate as well. You have no choice, but to either comply with him, which is not really a choice because you can't, it makes you too unhappy and you do a terrible job of it and you always have feelings and it ruins everything, right? <laughs> or shut him out and it scares you. And yeah, it's scary because loneliness is no joke, but that love and presence of somebody you're, you're longing for is noble and important. It's important. And I want you to have it. Everyone here wants you to have your heart's desire there. It's a good thing to want. And right now you can't have it because you're emotionally entangled with this, this, this guy. So you say, I'm struggling to find the gray area. There's no gray area. You're trying to negotiate with a hopeless situation. There is no gray area, but where you can enjoy your body and have fun connecting with somebody. So yeah, that sounds good. And it's kind of like jargon. Yeah, you can enjoy, you can enjoy your body with somebody who wants to be with you, who wants to be with you and, and, and have fun connecting. So fun and enjoy. You're talking like what you want is casual sex. If that's what you want, that's on, that's on tap for you right now. And probably with many, many guys out there, but if it's not what you want, it's time for you to come back to reality with that about what you really want. If it's not what you want, the only person who's going to protect you from things that are less than what you want is you. All right. This part was heartbreaking. You said, I don't feel the need to be taken on fancy official dates. Why? Why do you not feel the need to be taken on fancy official dates? You're good. You're worth it. It's wonderful to be taken on a fancy and official date. A fancy official date is how a man communicates to you that he's really into you. What's an unfancy unofficial date. That's what hanging out is. You say, I don't feel the need to be taken to fancy official dates 
or have everything go a certain way, but I don't want to just hang out. And yet, if you're not going on a fancy official date, you are just hanging out. That's what hanging out is. It's just hanging out. An official date means a guy says, I'm interested. I want to date you. Will you go out with me? And you say yes, and you go out on a date with him. And sometimes it might be you who starts the date. But official dates are very important. And, and I really encourage anybody with CPTSD to get that clear. Is this a date? So it's not a date. You're just hanging out. And he is lazy. And he is behaving like a teenager. And you feel like you have to go along with it or be alone. And you've had enough of it in your life. And you feel you deserve more, even if you don't know how to get it. So that's what I'm talking about. This is how to get it. You stop mucking around with anything that is not the thing you want. But I really encourage you, Sophie, you've got, to, you've got to be able to embrace what it is you really want. You said, given the amount of sexual trauma in my past, I don't want to terrify him, but I feel it's important to be honest about why I have some boundaries in real life. You don't have boundaries because of your abusive past. You have boundaries because you're human. Okay, you don't have to defend them. And you flirted, yeah, okay, that's okay. You flirted, you thought it was going somewhere. I would love to minimize the triggers. I think minimizing the triggers is a good idea. But the point of minimizing the triggers is so that you have choices and not so that you can just be happy with breadcrumbs that you're getting here. And you don't want to feel like you either have to marry or be completely subservient to every man you're attracted to. So I don't hear you thinking, I don't hear you be thinking you have to marry him. I feel like you're saying you want to rule that out. Um, I'm not clear about that. Maybe you're not clear about it. If I'm not honest or open with someone I'm interested in about these potentially unattractive things, what about wanting to get married? That is not unattractive. That's perfectly okay and normal and fine. And I think you said you're 42. So what could be more appropriate? but to want to get married. And there's a lot of guys who would also like to get married and they're not going to be dating people who are mucking around either. They're looking for people who are serious. So if you are afraid of, of expressing the truth of who you are and what you want, you're not in a good relationship. You're not even on a date. And um, you've got to bring your whole self to the dating enterprise. Bring your whole self to it. I would suggest to you, because of the CPTSD, that you go really slowly. You can, it will not affect your mental health not to have sex. You will be fine. You do need human companionship. You can do that with people who are not, who are not dating prospects. And you can do that until a good dating prospect shows up. And if it takes a couple years, you will be okay. You will be okay. I know that it feels lonely at times and you know, I, I felt the same way, but it is so worth doing the work to do the healing and waiting to begin dating somebody until you can do it on a new level in a new way where you stand a chance of getting that love that you deserve. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.